Hello, my name is Donnie Smith, and I'm the pastor here at Ascension Christian Center in Apopka, Florida. I hope this message changes, impacts, and challenges you in your relationship with Jesus Christ. If you enjoy the message, you can connect with us on our website, Facebook, or Instagram at Ascension Christian Center. Thank you, and enjoy. Jesus said, let us cross over to the other side. When they had left the multitude, they took him along in the boat as he was. And the other boats were also with him. And a great windstorm arose. Everybody say windstorm. A great windstorm arose and the waves beat into the boat so that it was already filling. But, everybody say but. But Jesus was in the stern, asleep on a pillow. And they awoke him and said to him, Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? Sounds like the world today. Then he arose and he rebuked the wind and said to the sea, Peace, be still. And the wind ceased. And there was a great calm. But he said to them, why are you so fearful? Look at somebody and say, don't be afraid. Look at somebody else and say, don't be afraid. How is it that you have no faith? And they feared exceedingly and said to one another, who can this be that even the wind and the sea obey him? I want to thank everybody who's on Facebook Live watching us. Thank you so much for joining us this morning. I want you to feel free to share this video. I pray it is a blessing to you. Go ahead and comment in the comment section if you are watching us. If you have any prayer needs, we want you to simply just type in those needs. And after service, I will make sure that we personally pray for them. Amen. There is no doubt that in this current crisis, America has found itself in the middle of the storm similarly to what the disciples were finding themselves in. And I, as an Orlando native, living here for my whole life, 35 years, we have been through several storms. How many remember Hurricane Andrew? We have lived through Hurricane Andrew. We have lived through Charlie. We've lived through Irma. Several different storms that we've lived through. And I can guarantee you that in the middle of this chaos, though it is has its own type of storm, right? We, we've been talking about this coronavirus, the, the COVID-19. Um, it is like a storm that we're finding ourselves in. But I believe, not just by the Spirit of God, but I just truly just believe in my heart that we as a nation will survive this storm. We've lived through all these other storms, and I believe that the Lord is not going to leave us to die in the middle of this one. Amen? And there are all different types of storms, I believe. And although we've been through Irma, we've been through Charlie, we've been through now going through this COVID-19 and the scare that it's causing, the chaos, and everybody's frantic, wringing their hands, wondering what to do. How many know that Jesus is still on the boat? Hallelujah. Somebody say, Jesus is on the boat. Although this storm is really, really difficult, I can't help but think about all those who had a storm going on in their life already. As if COVID-19 is not bad and all by itself, but the fact of the matter is, is that people were going through marital storms 
before COVID-19. There are people that are in this room and watching me through live stream that were going through some financial storms. Some of them were going through health storms. Come on, is anybody with me? Some people were going through relational storms, fear, storms of loneliness, storms of just being fearful of not what, knowing which way to turn, and, and times of uncertainty. There are all different types of storms that I, that I think that we go through. And the fact of the matter is, is that storms are inevitable, especially if you live in the tropics. And I begin to think about, I think it was yesterday or the day before, maybe it was Friday, I was thinking about how storms are absolutely inevitable and eventually you will go through a storm. Amen? And, and I was thinking about the different seasons that God has created in the world. There's winter, there's spring, there's summer, and then there's autumn. Fall, right? We all go through different seasons in life. And I was thinking about how we love summertime. How many like summer? Yesterday, I was spent about two hours um, with my wife and children. We recruited the children to be weed pullers, pulling all the little weeds that popped up on our back pool deck because we haven't used it for about five months. I guess it was since October or maybe even more. And I love swimming. I normally swim at the end of the day at our house and our pool. Well, we have these pavers, so we, we've neglected the, pulling these weeds because we just haven't used the pool for about five months. And so we were out there for about two hours pulling weeds, pressure washing the pool deck and all that fun stuff. It took me all day, um, two hours of pulling weeds and pressure washing, I think, for the rest of the day. And I was beginning to think of how, how, how I began to get reminded on how much I really love summertime and really don't like winter that much. How many love summer? And I was thinking to myself, Lord, why did you create seasons? Why couldn't it be summertime just always? And I began to think about this, that if God, God is so smart in his om, omniscient and his all-knowingness knew that if he allowed it to be summertime for too long, it'd scorch everything. Well, at the same time, if there were too many storms, it would drown everything out and nothing would grow. I think God's way of balancing everything out would be to bring some summer for half of the year and then maybe some autumn and spring and some rain at the same time to balance everything out. Even during the summer, God was so smart that at the end of the day, come two or three o'clock, torrents come down, deluges come down to, to balance out everything because God knows he would kill everything if he just let it be summer all week and all year long. Amen. And I think that's the same thing with our own personal lives. If we get too much of the sun, too many good times, it ruins us. While at the same time, if we have too many rainy seasons in our lives, we get depressed. Come on, y'all aren't talking to me. How many need a good blend of some good summertime, but also some good rainy times? And that's the same thing with our spiritual lives. And as a believer, you cannot be worried about what's going on in the world, just knowing that this too shall pass. And I think as a nation, it was, it was probably due, not that I am happy about this COVID-19, but I'll tell you what I am excited about. I'm excited about God using this. I didn't say he created it. I'm excited how God is going to use this to turn it around for the church's good and his glory. Because there's something about storms that cause us to run to God. Because our nation has been used to summertime a little bit too much. Come on, y'all ain't saying nothing. There's something about when things like this happen and shake our nation that it wakes us up and it brings us back to the place where this nation was founded upon, which is Christian roots. Come on, the churches are, 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 are 
emptying by the hundreds and by the thousands. And this is not because we have a faith-filled church. This is a great revealing, I believe, in the body of Christ. Because if any time we should come together, it should be now. So I really truly believe that we are on the cusp of a great awakening in the body of Christ as a result of this thing hitting the earth. Is anybody with me? And so today I want to minister from a subject because there is a promise in the midst of all of this chaos. And the, and the disciples, they didn't realize it, but they also had a promise because Jesus was on their boat in the midst of this storm, in the middle of this storm. And so today I want to minister from the subject entitled, You Are Safe in the Storm. Look at somebody and say, you are safe in the storm. You are safe in the storm. And there are certain promises that God gives not only a nation, but a people and a family. There are certain promises that he gives us in the middle of these storms. And one of the first thing I believe that he promised us is his presence. Say his presence. Now, what do I mean by that? Sometimes we interpret the presence of a storm to mean that God is absent in your life as if God only exists during the sunshine. Come on. The Bible says in Mark chapter 4 that Jesus was asleep in the boat. It seemed that as if his presence didn't mean anything. But Jesus' presence meant everything because as long as he was in the boat, God was going to only allow the storm to get so bad. And it doesn't matter what's happening in your life or in your marriage or in your health or, in, or even with your job in the midst of this COVID-19. As long as Jesus is on your boat, he's only going to allow the water to fill your boat so much. As long as he is in the boat, he controls the storm. He controls the temperature. He controls the wind. He controls the rain. And as long as he's on the boat, he will not allow your boat to sink. Somebody say, my boat's not sinking today. I want to suggest to you that the only reason Jesus was asleep in this storm was because he was familiar with storms. Can I tell you that your God is familiar with your storm? No matter what you're going through, I don't care if your child was taken away, whatever that storm looks like for you. I don't care if you have a spouse that has left you. I don't care if you have an unbelieving spouse living in your home. If you lost your job yesterday, it doesn't, it's not that it doesn't matter to Jesus, but the reason Jesus was sleeping, he was giving us an example. He was simply saying, listen, you can have peace in the middle of your storm. You can sleep in the stern of your boat even though the storm is going on. But listen, you cannot have peace if you allow CNN to be your God. If you allow MSNBC to be your God. I'm all for being informed, but I am never for allowing that to pour into my life to become a God and an idol in my life that would produce fear. Because I can guarantee you, if you allow that to flood your life 24 hours a day, you will not be able to stay asleep in the stern of your boat. But listen, Jesus is aware of your storm. Look at somebody and say, Jesus is aware. He knows exactly what's going on in your storm. And the disciples took... Jesus being asleep as maybe rejection. They thought just because Jesus was silent, it meant that he was unaware of their situation. Have you ever felt in your life that you've been praying, you've cried all you can cry, you've prayed all you can pray, and it seems that Jesus sleeps all the more? 
It seems as if God is not moving. You have fasted. You have prayed. You've called Lottie Dottie and everybody, and nobody is your answer. Come on. Has anybody been there before? And it seems like Jesus is just peacefully asleep in the, in the front of the stern of the boat, and he's not moving whatsoever in your life. You've gone to church, and you've given, and you've prayed, and you've cried, and he sleeps all the more. But can I tell you, just because he is asleep does not mean he is unaware of your situation. God is well acquainted with your situation. He knows it intricately, but he's just waiting for an opportune time. And sometimes I have found God to be the kind of God who waits for things to get worse before they get better. Not because he doesn't intend on stopping the storm, not because he doesn't intend on stopping the wind and the rain, but because he intends to wait just long enough to where you're at your breaking point because when you're at your breaking point and then he moves on your behalf, only he will get the credit for stopping the storm. And if he stops it too soon, he will not get the credit. You will say, oh, it was just a passing storm. It was just a squall. But how many know when you know the storms of life, when they hit you really hard and you know it's a storm from hell and you know you will not survive it unless God breaks through, those are usually the kind of storms where God steps in and says, let me stop this for you. And you ultimately give him the credit and ultimately give him the glory for it because he's the only one who can do it. Can somebody say amen to that? I remember when I was in the height of ministry, this was probably about eight or nine years ago, and I had many different dreams and aspirations to be a minister of the gospel, and I was going to different churches ministering, and I was on fire for the Lord. Everything was going absolutely perfect in my life. I never, I mean, I lived wrong as a young kid, and but I got saved really early on, and so after that point, I, I lived an upright life. You know, I've never lived with a woman outside of marriage. I had stopped drinking or anything like that. And I was in my, I was in my late teens when I had got saved. I think I was around 17 or 18 years old. And I was ministering the word of God for, I don't know, five, six, seven years and preaching, preaching the word of God. And then all of a sudden, one day, it felt as if the rug got ripped from beneath my feet. It was as if I felt like I was like Peter, James, and John in that very situation, and the storms of life began to hit me. And it wasn't just one or two storms. It seemed like everything that could go wrong went wrong in my life. I kind of felt like Job when you look to your left and you look to your right and God is nowhere to be found. You know, the Bible says that Job was an upright man, and yet the devil went to God and said, let me test your servant Job. That's, that's who I felt like in that time. And he said, and God gives him permission and says, you can do anything you want to Job, you just can't take his life. And that's exactly where I found myself. In Job chapter 23, verse eight through nine, for your reference, if you'd like to write it down, here's what Job coins when he's in the midst of great heartache, when he's in the midst of this great storm. He says this, look, I go forward, but he's not there, talking about God and backwards, but I cannot perceive him. When he works on the left hand, I cannot behold him. And when he turns to the right, I cannot see him. Storms have a way of throwing your vision off. Storms have a way of blinding you. I know a little bit 
about that because I used to drive a vehicle because I couldn't really afford a really good vehicle. I had a vehicle where you couldn't roll the window down. You had to kind of put each hand on the both sides of the window and then you have to lodge it up into the weather stripping. And then when it was raining, I had to kind of like Ace Ventura stick my head out of the window when I was driving because the windshield wipers didn't work. And storms have a way of doing this, blinding your perspective. It keeps you from seeing Jesus. And I think that's exactly the way the disciples saw it too. Maybe the storm was so heavy that they forgot that Jesus was on the boat. They couldn't see Jesus. How many have ever been in a really bad, you know, rainstorm and it looks all white and you can't see 20 feet in front of you? That's how storms have a way of doing us in our lives. Don't allow the storms of COVID-19 or the storms of a divorce or the storm of a loss or a storm of fear allow you to be blinded so much so that you can no longer perceive that Jesus is still on your boat because just because you cannot trace him, just because you don't see him doesn't mean that he is not on your boat. Somebody say, Jesus is on the boat. Jesus is on the boat. In Hebrews chapter 13, verse 5, it says this, for he himself has said, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. That means God didn't say he might not leave you. He didn't say, I'll think about not leaving you. He didn't say, sometimes I will be with you. Hebrews 13 says, I will never leave you nor forsake you. And he will not leave you in this situation because we have a God who fulfills his promises, who comes through on his end of the bargain. He only asks us to have faith in the midst of the storm. Somebody say, have faith. So America, let's not forget that Jesus is still on the boat of America. He is not going to leave us. He is not going to leave us in the middle of the storm. He is going to see to it that we get to the other side. He may allow us to be shaken a little bit. He may allow us to get shifted a little bit. He might separate some wheat from the tares and some sheep from the goats, but God is not going to leave us on this boat to drown. He still has a plan for America. He has a plan for our lives. He has a plan for your marriage. He has a plan in your single. He still has a plan in your health, and he has a plan for COVID-19. Hallelujah. The second promise in the midst of the storm is his promise to protect us in the storm. Somebody say protection. As I said before, just because Jesus didn't get up when the storm started just didn't mean that he wasn't going to get up at all. Come on. Come on, there is a time and a season where God decides to stand up when that storm has fulfilled its work in your own life and Jesus stands up and he rebukes the wind and the storm like he mentioned in Mark chapter four. He got up and he rebuked the winds and the waves after that storm had served its purpose. And I often wonder why God seemingly waits until things get worse before they get better and I don't necessarily have that answer but I believe that he does it so that he can get the credit for stepping in, as I said earlier. And, and in the Bible where it says, but he was in the, store, in, excuse me, in the stern asleep on the pillow, and they awoke him and said to him, teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? Somebody say, he cares. He cares. As a young man, I was in a couple of significant accidents. I don't normally talk about them, but when I was about 11 11 or 12 years old, um, I was in a really bad accident. And I always, I always, I can't remember a time, and I know not many people can share this, but this is a treasure to me. I always felt, not just a little bit, 
But I always felt a really strong calling on my life. I always felt God wooing me. As a little boy, I just remember certain things happening, and I felt like the Lord was preserving me. I mean, even in my teenage years, I would try to date girls. I couldn't get, I didn't date in all of my teenage years. I was like, I was in my 20s before I had a, my first girlfriend. Like, the Lord just preserved me from a lot of things. But I went through a lot of heartache as a young man. And so I always felt, I was like, Lord, why are you allowing these hardships to happen? Why do you allow these storms in my life? And it started really early when I, when I had lost my dad. As most of you know, he was murdered when I was nine years old. But at 11 or 12, I remember I was uh, standing behind an ice cream man, and I forgot my cash uh, in the house. I had a dollar. I remember this. And I got really excited. I said, hold on, sir. And so I, I ran out. How many ever, you know how you're real hesitant when a car is, you know, parked you know, on your right side and it's blocking your, your view and you kind of have to have to tip your toe out or if you're driving, um, you have to inch your way out to see if other cars are coming. Well, as an 11 year old boy, that wasn't my mentality. My mind was on that ice cream and going to get that dollar. And so I took two steps out in the road and there was a speeding car. I don't remember much of it. But I only remember something black and I remember waking up uh, once with blood all around me. And then I, the second time I woke up, I was in a CAT scan. And uh, this, it caused a concussion. It fractured my arm. Uh, I, I almost died. The car hit me so hard that it literally knocked me out of my shoes. That's how hard it hit me. Damaged the car really, really bad. I've never really told, I've never told this story publicly. It hit me so hard that my shoe ended up in the neighbor's yard, which was about 50 feet away. It literally hit me that hard. And then when I was an 18-year-old boy, I had just had turned 18, um, I was driving a motorcycle, and me and my brother got this amazing idea that we would ch change the chain and sprocket on this motorcycle. And uh, the brakes were really bad on it, so we made sure that the bike went faster, but we didn't service the brakes on the motorcycle. And so I'm literally, I jump on it. We just fixed it, you know, five minutes before, and I'm in the top of fourth gear. If you know motorcycles, that's in the fast gear. And I'm going about 60 or 70 miles an hour. Well, when I go to hit the brakes, there's a big tree line in front of me. And I'm going to hit the brakes, and there are absolutely no brakes. And so I clipped a tree. And again, whisked off to the hospital. And my bone was so exposed, you could have literally grabbed the bone, my femur, on my leg and it ripped me wide open. And I just, I just, it was almost as if I felt like the presence of the Lord preserving me. I know that sounds weird because in, in, in our American minds or in our own logical minds, we're like, Lord, couldn't you just have stopped this from happening? Why would you allow this? I would rather be protected from it versus just being preserved right? But this was a pivotal moment for me. And I'm really glad that the Lord didn't protect me from these storms. Because what happened is I was still kind of teetering with the Lord a little bit. I loved the Lord. I was going to services, but my heart was kind of growing cold. And I felt the world still trying to pull at me. But I remember when the doctor walked into that um, hospital room, when I was in there for, I think, uh, between seven and 11 days. I think it was 11 days, if, if I'm not mistaken. And they said, Mr. Smith, I'm sorry, but you have a great chance that they're going to amputate this leg, your left leg. And I thought that as an 18-year-old boy walking around with a prosthetic. And the first thing I did is I pulled open that drawer where I knew they would keep a Bible. 
And I got that Bible and I began to pray. And I said, Lord, if you allow me to keep my leg, I'll serve you for the rest of my life. And I remember I haven't turned back since then. Hence, they have allowed me to keep my leg. Now, if you touch it in one place, I feel it in another. But still, I still have my leg. And so I felt like, what if God would have kept the storm from happening? And there's many times and seasons in our lives that we want the Lord to protect us from the storm altogether. But can I tell you, we don't have a God who just keeps us from the storm. We have a God who preserves us in the midst of the storm. And God will often use storms in our lives, storms in the nations of the world to drive us to him, not away from him. He uses those storms to develop us, to drive us to our knees. Can I tell you what? There's nothing, there's only one thing good that I can think of coming out of COVID-19 because nothing good comes from losing loved ones. Nothing good comes from losing a child or an elderly person. But can I tell you this, that this type of storm has a way of drawing us to the Lord, of us pursuing him and asking him questions. Can I tell you, overnight we have lost so many industries. I mean, we're, we could be on a brink of a financial collapse if this doesn't recover quickly. And it just goes to show you how sensitive we are as a nation to where if God were to just lift his hand just for a moment, everything would collapse in a moment. All me- media would fall apart. The, the, our jobs would fall apart. Everything around us that easy can fall apart. But can I tell you what never moves? The Bible says that we serve an unshakable God and he is on his throne. He's not wringing his hands. He's not wondering what are we going to do next. He has answers and he will allow storms like this, not necessarily cause them, but he will allow the storm to draw us to himself, to seek out answers as I did as a young man laying on that hospital bed. Amen. I love what it says in Isaiah 54. It says no weapon. Everybody say no weapon. No weapon formed against you shall prosper. Now, I love that because it says, and most people don't underline this part. They they think of no weapon formed against you shall prosper. In other words, nothing is ever going to happen to me. But it doesn't say that. It says no weapon formed against you. In other words, the weapon will get formed, but it won't be able to harm you or hurt you. Right? There seems to be in the nations of the world a weapon that is formed against us. But can I tell you, COVID-19 will not prosper. Although it has taken lives, I decree that it will not take any more lives in Jesus' name. How many agree with me? Even though this weapon is formed against the nation and though there might be a weapon formed against you in your marriage or in your finances or at your job or your health, whatever it is, but I decree to you today that though it is formed, it will not prosper. It goes no further, but it stops today because we are protected and preserved by the blood of Jesus and God promises protection in the midst of the storm. Amen? Amen. Hallelujah. The third promise that God gives us when we're in the middle of a storm is peace. The promise of peace in the middle of the storm. The medical field, can I tell you this? The medical field is getting rich off of our fears and our anxieties. When the word of God gives the prescription that is free and yet has no side effects and it's called the gospel or the gospel. Somebody say the gospel. And can I be honest with you? I felt really bad the past this past week and I didn't feel bad about what was going on, although my heart and my prayers go out to all those who have been affected, whether it's a loss of life, a friend or family member who is sick, or a job loss, or whatever it might be. Maybe you haven't got sick in your natural body, but maybe fear and anxiety have you sick. 
I don't know what your case may be, but I was thinking this past week, I was feeling bad, not because of what was going on, but I was feeling bad because I didn't, I wasn't, I'm not too concerned about what's happening. Meaning, not that I don't care about people. What, I guess I'm not nervous about what is happening. In other words, I know in my heart and in my spirit that this too will pass. Somebody say, this too will pass. In other words, I was, be, I was getting nervous about not being nervous. Me and my wife are practical jokers. I'll, make, I'll give you an example. We're really practical jokers. We will um, hide behind doors if, like, if she's in the bathroom for a long period of time or in the closet. And I sit and I wait for her to come around the corner to scare her. And I'll just say, boo. Or we do it to the kids, too. We're like big kids. You know, the kids will come around the corner and we'll scare them. My wife's really bad about this. She loves She did it. I believe she did it yesterday. And so um, she showed me this video recently of a person uh, in a backpack. And this person was a practical joker. And it was on YouTube. And this person would go sit next to someone on a park bench. And they would throw their backpack at them and then run. And then that person, what they would do is run away. And I was like, I started thinking to myself, although it was really, really funny, I thought that was a really cruel joke. That's like beyond practical joking. That's very cruel. If someone is too old, you do that to an 80-year-old, they may not get off the bench. You know, they may fall over and have a heart attack. And so I started thinking to myself that I feel like media, social media, CNN, MSNBC, not to throw names out, it's kind of throwing a backpack while we're sitting on a bench to see if we're going to flinch. And if I could be honest with you, most of the world is running. And I started thinking to myself, Lord, am I a little too unconcerned? Should I be concerned about this? And you know what I feel, felt the Lord say to me? I felt the Lord comfort my heart and say these words. You cannot keep your mind on me and be afraid at the same time. I, lo I love the word of God in Isaiah uh, chapter 26, verse 3. You will keep him in some peace. He says he will keep you in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on him because he trusts in you. You cannot be afraid of the coronavirus while keeping your mind on the Lord Jesus Christ at the same time because he is the author of peace. The Bible says that he is the prince of peace. So if we think about Jesus a whole lot, we're not going to be afraid of the elements. I'm not saying you're not going to be concerned. I'm not going to say that you shouldn't put, you know, uh, um, uh, hand sanitizer on your hands or wash your hands or be more thorough or take extra precautions. But there's something that God promises you in the midst of a storm, in the midst of a coronavirus, in the midst of chaos. He promises you perfect peace, but there's a prerequisite there. The prerequisite is you must intentionally Somebody say intentionally, put your mind on him because as we put our mind on him in the midst of a storm, in the midst of chaos, he promises you perfect peace. You know, obviously I got a revelation in that moment is that I was like, Lord, how did you calm that storm so effortlessly? And he said, because what was in me got in the storm. Because what was in Jesus got in the storm. 
Can I say to you, Facebook listener right now, do not allow what's happening in the world and on social media and everything that the world is saying and sometimes even the church is saying. Come on, somebody say amen to that. Do not allow the fear and the storm of the world to infiltrate and steal your peace of mind based on what's going on. Keep your mind on Jesus and allow the perfect peace that passes, come on, all knowledge and all understanding to infiltrate the storm. Jesus was allowed to calm the storm because there was no storm in him. The storm was outwardly, and he allowed his perfect peace to infiltrate the elements around him. Touch somebody and say, let what's in you get in the storm. Let what's in you get in the storm. Can you just stand to your feet and we'll close? Number four, he makes a promise in the storm. And you want to know what the promise is? The promise is found in Isaiah chapter 43, verse 2. And if you could play something softly in the background as we close. Isaiah 43, chapter 2, excuse me, verse 2, says this. What were the disciples surrounded by? Wind and rain and water. Now watch this. Isaiah 43, verse 2. When you pass... Peter, through the waters. I will be with you. And through the rivers, they shall not overflow you. When you walk through the fire, you shall not be burned, nor shall the flame scorch you. Jesus never promised that storms wouldn't come and that troubles wouldn't come in your life. As a matter of fact, in in John, I believe it's chapter 14, he promised that they would come. But what he did promise is that he would be with us in the midst of the storms. He promised he would be in the boat. He didn't promise when he was going to wake up in your situation. He didn't promise when that marriage would be restored or when your child would be restored to you. He didn't promise when that spouse who's acting up would start acting right again. He didn't promise you when he was going to come through financially, but he did promise you this. When you are going through hardships, trials, and pain, when you are sick in your body, when all chaos is all around you, when everything in your life seems like it's falling apart, he promised you he would be with you and that he would never leave you nor forsake you. And he promised that when you go through the water, he would be with you. And when you go through the rivers, they will not overflow you. And when you walk through the fire, you would not be burned. I think about the fire. He said they wouldn't scorch you. Say, it won't scorch me. I think about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the Old Testament. The Bible says that they would worship the Lord. And there was a decree sent out that anyone who would keep worshiping anyone other than the king, Nebuchadnezzar, they would be thrown into the fire. And so what happens is that they found out that they kept worshiping and they wouldn't stop. And so they they threw them into this fiery furnace and they turned it up really hot. And then the Bible says that there's there's three men walking around and that the fires are not burning them, but oh, they begin to see there was a fourth man in the fire with them. I believe that man, the Bible says it was an angel. But I believe that fourth man in the fire was Jesus. And I don't know about you, but I don't care how much the world turns its heat up on the church or in my life or tries to create chaos all around the world. I don't care what this coronavirus does. No matter how much it spreads. Listen, let me tell you something. When Jesus is in the fire with you, he will preserve you from being burned. He will preserve you from being touched. He will preserve you from being destroyed. 
He will protect you in the fire. And the waters, I think about that, that verse saying, he will, he will protect you as you pass through the waters. I think about Peter when he was walking on water and Jesus bid him. He said, come, come, Peter, you can walk on the water. And Peter began to walk. But what began to happen? He began to sink when he took his eyes off of Jesus. But because Jesus was in proximity, Jesus did not allow him to sink. He reached out his hand and lovingly picked him up and said, ye, oh, ye of little faith, why did you doubt? And he brought him in the boat. As long as Jesus is in the fiery furnace, you will not be burned. As long as Jesus is in the boat with you, you will not be overtaken by the water. And I'll give you one last thing. When Jesus is in the boat with you, you will be preserved. I love in the Old Testament, as I as I mentioned earlier during communion, there were 10 plagues given in Egypt because God kept telling Pharaoh to let his people go. And Pharaoh wouldn't hearken to the voice of the Lord through Moses. And so what God does is God sends these 10 plagues. And I am in no way, shape, or form saying that God has sent this plague in the earth. I believe it is not only man-made, but I believe it was I believe it's being, to some degree, manipulated by man and used by man. So I'm in no way saying this is from the Lord, but I believe that the Lord can use even what the enemy means for bad. I am saying that. It can be used to shake the world up. But I was thinking about how the children of Israel were commanded by Moses as this death angel was passing through the city. People were dying by the dozens, by the hundreds. And here's what Moses commands the children of Israel. He said, take a lamb's blood and I want you to put it over the doorpost of the house. And when this plague or this death angel passes through, if you have this blood over the lintel, death will not touch your house. But if you do not put the blood of Jesus, the blood over the lintel of your house, your house would be touched. Can I tell you for every child of God listening under the sound of my voice, if you have the blood of Jesus, come on, there's power in the blood. If we have the blood of Jesus over our lives, our families will not be touched by any pestilence or any plague or anything being loosed in the world. Thanks so much for joining us. We hope this message impacted you today. If you'd like to support Ascension Christian Center, simply go to ascensionchristiancenter.com and click the gift tab or text ACCFL to 77977. Interested in hearing more? Check back weekly for new messages. Have a great day.